Hello again, welcome to the Anita Poor Show and the Bitcoin for Fairness series. This time it comes from South Africa. I'm here and I met with Ricky Allardyce yesterday. He's the co-founder of Bitwise, a Bitcoin brokerage based in Cape Town. We're talking about the state of adoption of Bitcoin in South Africa and in the Southern African region, as well as self-custody, about lightning, and also the situation in the Central African Republic. As always, you can watch this interview on YouTube or you can listen to it in your favorite podcast app. You can also use a lightning-enabled podcast app like Breeze, Sphinx Chat or the Fountain app and send streaming sats to me, your podcaster. Thanks for supporting Bitcoin for Fairness. Go out to the Human Rights Foundation, okcoin.com and laden.io. Learn Bitcoin will teach you the why and how to use Bitcoin. To safely navigate this financial technology, you'll need the knowledge that this book provides. Jameson Lopp, co-founder and CTO, CASA. Order your copy now at learnbitcoin.link. That's learnbitcoin.link. Anita Posh, welcome to my house. Good to have you. <laughs> Thanks for the invitation, Ricky. It's Hello. a pleasure. Thank you so much. And welcome to South Africa. I understand you've been here days now a few days yeah uh, a little bit outside of town mm. uh, in uh, committee 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 it's very nice yes it's very nice the weather is cold yes but we are uh, the, the water, so the is, water cold. is cold the weather is great yes. for South Africa at this time yeah and uh, we've been enjoying the sea every day for one minute <laughs> So you've been doing the the Wim Hof with everyone, everyone else bit, in Cape Town. I'm trying a little bit of doing Wim Hof, but yeah, it's more like the mature ladies do it because <laughs> I've only seen like women sitting in there for 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. So they really. It's it's weird. It became very big in South Africa about a year ago. It mm -hmm. Took off again, like where it came through waves. But a few like a year ago, it became very popular again. So now everyone in Cape Town is going and sitting in the sea for a few minutes a day. Yeah. <laughs> good it's good i suppose whatever makes people healthy yeah and uh yeah I, i'm too much of a it's not for me i get too cold you're too much of a surfer yeah i like a wetsuit <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the water's cold enough that's for sure mm, i can imagine yeah and uh so tell me you've been traveling now through africa for a couple of months how long have you been yeah. on the road for um it's not a couple of months because i was in between i was in miami at bitcoin 22 mm. at the conference and i also was in austria because i left my apartment and i left uh, austria behind for a little time because i'm a nomad now yeah. and but in march i was in zambia and zimbabwe mm. and uh, with bitcoin for fairness and where my goal is uh, to educate as much as many people as possible especially in emerging countries or in con in countries where people are disadvantaged mm. because they live under authoritarian rules and governments, rulers and governments, and to share Bitcoin knowledge there. Mm. You might have to go back to Europe soon. To share Bitcoin knowledge? Yeah, yeah. But with authoritarian governments. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I, I left it also a little mm. bit uh, like in anger. I mean, yeah. anger is the wrong word, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm dis yeah, disappointed and I think it's really weird that we mm. in Europe uh, start to be better than China in that regard, you know. Especially Austria. It's a strange because <laughs> Austria was like, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to bring this up because you're an Austrian, but it's, yeah. it's very, I love Austria. It's a great place, but it's very sad to see that they were kind of leading that that uh, charge and curtailing people's freedoms. How do you think that uh, Austria is leading here? So Austria was the first country to 
mandate finding people for not getting vaccinated for example oh that you that that's that's the topic you're talking yeah, about yeah. yeah i don't know i mean we we are an old command and control country mm -hmm. i think uh we have uh, a very sad history uh mm -hmm. with with you know who and things like that so there's a little bit also of this old um thinking i think in mm. in, in especially in the rural areas but i think you have that yeah in different uh, dimensions everywhere mm. but to be honest that's one of the reasons why i left mm. not so much because of covid because i i always like i didn't this is not a topic i wanted to discuss ever no, because, of course, no yeah. i i don't say it now uh, because of our yeah. uh, conversation but in general uh, i tr i try to not uh, watch too much tv or actually non no tv and no news anymore mm. because i get my news where i want yes, uh, if yes, the big yes. the big things I, 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 I'll get yes. to know them anyhow from my friends and stuff. There's a lot to learn from that. Hey, you can manage your mental health very well by just cutting out mainstream news and you can be a lot more at peace when Absolutely. you're not listening to the fear porn every day. Absolutely. Because it's not of my interest. Uh, if someone, if there is a traffic accident or a mm. plane accident somewhere, you know, it doesn't change my life. Yep. There are other more important things to learn. Like teaching people about Bitcoin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I spent um, I spent some time in Austria, uh, in Innsbruck. Um, oh, really? I was there in in summer uh, 2019, and it's, I was just amazed. It's such a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. um, everything works so well, you know. Like it's. But then again, you you walk across the street when the robot, when the traffic light doesn't tell you you can, and then people are you know, angry with you. Oh, so really? But that's that's also because it was in the Tyrol. They are just even more conservative yes. than people in Vienna. Yes. So in Vienna, you can go across the street yes. when the light is red and yes. nobody is looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the worst I experienced was in Munich, actually, where uh -huh. um, I crossed, there was an old lady standing next to me at the street waiting for the, for the light to go green for the pedestrians. And I looked and there was no cars. So I just walked, as you do in South Africa, you know. <laughs> she just started shouting at me in German. And obviously, I can't speak German, so I didn't know what she was saying, yeah. but she wasn't happy. You, I got yeah. her point. <laughs> she didn't like it. <laughs> but it's, 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 a very, it's a mindset thing, I suppose. And that is that, that like, um, social conservatism, I suppose, that comes through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's not really on topic with Bitcoin. But so <laughs> you've been in Zambia and Zimbabwe now mm -hmm. for the last, in March. Mm -hmm. um, what's your experience been with, with teaching people about Bitcoin? Yeah, uh, it was uh, not surprising, but um, worse than I thought, let's say it like that. Mm -hmm. Because the first question of everybody always was, is Bitcoin not a scam? Yeah. So, uh, Almost all people know about Bitcoin and have heard about it, but they also can tell you a story about someone who has been scammed. Mm. And that's sad because yeah. basically education then needs to start really at the beginning and tell people first thing, mm. Bitcoin is not a scam. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as soon as you explain to them the limit of 21 million, it can't be inflated. Uh, the government can't take it away mm. from you, especially for Zimbabweans in Zimbabwe. Yeah. They uh, get the use case very fast and are interested in it. Yeah. So, um, and there are a lot of problems, as you know, in Zimbabwe with money. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how long the Zimbabwe dollar will hold. I mean, they... they in its current form. I mean, yeah. they just reinvented everything. Yeah, exactly. Years, they right? will, uh, exactly. They will take the money of people again and again and again. Mm. So, yeah, there are a lot of use cases, and but the adoption is very low. Mm. So in Zambia, there 
I did a talk um, and, <laughs> and there were other guys talking also about things, but it was all crypto and blockchain. Mm. Mm. And there was even a guy talking about Axie Infinity. Mm. And um, so it's really sad to see how people get scammed and because of the fact that they are in need of money because mm. they are very poor. They And they also have very low financial literacy, I would say, even lower than in European countries mm. because I also didn't know how uh, money is made actually, not made, but how money is created. The fiat system, I mm. wasn't aware of the fact how euros are created. Yep. So, um, but the, the educational level of the people there is much lower than that. And so they, of course, um, they uh, tend to believe scammers who tell them like in a year you have doubled your money. And uh, so the great thing is that we were able to set up a WhatsApp group then. Mm. So in Zimbabwe and in Zambia, we now have two Bitcoin only WhatsApp groups. Yeah. And in Zambia, next weekend will be the first Bitcoin-only meetup. Really? Yeah. It's exciting. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm very <laughs> happy about that because that's what I want to do with Bitcoin for Fairness, like um, sharing knowledge and supporting them in building their own community yeah. because that's what yeah. is the most important thing. Yeah. yeah and um, also in Zimbabwe, we've got the WhatsApp group now and I will go back to Zimbabwe in June. And we even got some uh, aspirational miners there. So I know that the first S9 miners are being sent to Zimbabwe at the moment. Really? And I'm looking forward to, to visit the site and uh, bring like a report from there. And That's yeah. very interesting because yeah. Zimbabwe, um, obviously off-grid energy production in Zimbabwe is going to be the only way they can electrify the country. Again, you know, you can't have a centralized electric system rebuilt because there's no money for it and mm -hmm. no one's giving them loans anymore yeah and and uh, i mean you CESA is completely unreliable so completely. if you yeah, yeah you have load shedding whenever <clears throat> they feel like yeah and uh so also i was i was vis visiting nimbe fresh mm. um don't know if you heard of the project it's a big farm and they did a with the sun exchange actually mm. from mm. cape town they yep. did a crowdfunding where you could buy solar cells um yes. with bitcoin yes. um and i visited the site and um then now they have they are completely independent from CESA and yep. they showed us also the quality of the product like the tobacco. Yeah. Um, now with the continually uh, having power, um, the the product is has much more higher quality yep. than before, and so I think yes, there are a lot of farmers who already have their own solar power mm. um, panels, mm. and interestingly exactly the the guys who want to start mining that they have already a solar power yeah. because they need it for their farms yes and so this is where it becomes very interesting because you can't rely on the grid so it will be mm -hmm. all these off-grid disconnected systems mm -hmm. that start bringing bitcoin mining in to increase their profitability and consume energy when something else is not consuming energy exactly. so bitcoin mining will be a way for them to monetize their surplus energy yeah. because you can't sell it back into the grid because yeah. the government doesn't have the system to purchase yeah. power back from you yeah um, exactly so th this is very exciting for big farmers like like Nimbe Fresh who are um, yeah with Nimbe Fresh it's not Nimbe Fresh but yeah. it's just an idea so I, yeah. but I mean if if you're a big farmer like that and you're operating at the let's say 100 100 kilowatt level um, mm. of power production um, you can collect quite a few S9s in there and then yeah that's right know. I mean we're starting with a much smaller scale yeah. and yeah. it's basically to have a proof of concept. Mm. 
and maybe to grow it from there. Yes. But yes. yeah, I think I'm not so experienced with mining, to be honest. I'm mm. keen on learning mm. always, of course. Uh, but experienced miners told me already that it's not so easy to just mine with solar power because yeah. you need the batteries and yeah. all the things. Yeah. And so the question is really a question of how much money do you have to put in mm. to get how much out? Mm. Yeah. But mm. as you say, when they can get a hand at um, second-hand miners and yeah. they have excess energy, then yes. they can do it. Yes. I mean, then it's maybe just 20 or 30 USD a, a day, but for a Zimbabwean, yeah. uh, that's, that's basically what some people there earn a month. I think the way to approach it would be to look at it as a way to offset the losses you would make in electricity anyway. That's and you, you, you're claiming back some of your electricity losses because if you didn't have Bitcoin mining, that would just go, you'd, you'd have to wait, vent mm -hmm. that power into mm -hmm. the ground or wherever. Um, so it's a way for them to recoup some of their costs and increase the overall profitability of their entire operation. Um, because if you're just mining Bitcoin and solar, you are only going to be mining for a few hours a day mm -hmm. because those farms that are using solar are consuming most of the energy they produce during the day. So it'll only be like after five o'clock in the afternoon and maybe before 7 a.m. in the morning where there's you're getting a large amount of energy and you're not consuming it, and then the Bitcoin miners can come on. You can kind of load balance, but it'll take a bit of, I think a pilot is going to be very interesting to see mm -hmm. how it yeah. plays out there. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing about Zimbabwe is there was one exchange a while back called Golix. Yes. And the owner or the founder of Golix allegedly lost the private key to the hardware wallets where all the Bitcoin was stored on, allegedly. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it, but he had one hardware wallet and that's where everyone's funds were stored on. Um, and that went missing, surprise, surprise. So um, I don't know if there's still an exchange in Zimbabwe. I think they've been, they've been shut down. So the problem is liquidity. Like how do you get Bitcoin into that system? It has to come from remittances and from outside yeah from outside in exactly so the golix was shut down i think in 2017 mm. or 2018 before that they even had a bitcoin atm in harare mm. where you could exchange us dollars and back <clears throat> um but they were shut shut down in 2017 i don't know exactly the background uh but the, the central bank i mm. think or the government told them or yeah, yeah, shut it down because that was the time where there were a lot of scams yeah. and a lot of people went to the central bank and said, hmm, ah, I lost my Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, in a scam. Yeah. Uh, but then, therefore, they, they, they took this exactly as an excuse to shut everything down because the government, the Zimbabwean government, even said publicly, um, we want to keep Bitcoin offshore. I mean, I don't know how they want to do that, but yeah, you can try. <laughs> Bitcoin so, is always offshore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no sure. Exactly. <laughs> so um, the thing with the government, so on the one hand, say they don't want it. Mm. Yeah. And now I've met uh, guys, Zimbabweans, uh, who live also in Zimbabwe, who started a new exchange, but they registered in, it in, in Botswana. Okay. And they will allow Zimbabweans uh, to exchange Bitcoin because Zimbabweans, whenever they use an international exchange, as soon as they put in their address, um, they are kicked they out yeah, yeah. because they are sanctioned. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are some exchanges, I think, that work for them still. Mm. And coming back to the guys who have this exchange now registered in Botswana, they told me, Actually, we tried, we really tried in Zimbabwe. We were talking with um, people from the government uh, about regulation and if it's possible to have an exchange here. But the first thing they asked us was for a kickback. 
course. Yeah. yeah. So that's how the system works there. I, you know, and, from my personal opinion in, in working in this thing, this stuff and being Bitcoin only and having our own exchange or OTC desk, um, the less you involve the government, the better. Yeah, of course. My, my perspective. I'm also that know? same. That's my opinion. That's yeah. what I always say to people. Please exchange Bitcoin peer to peer. Yeah. So in what in Zimbabwe, what's happening is, yes, uh, people get money uh, from working f online for companies abroad or through remittances. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, the Bitcoin and the US dollars on the market in Zimbabwe is also from like really uh, washing money in a way, yeah. Yeah, to be honest. Um, but still, there is liquidity. So if you receive Bitcoin in Zimbabwe and you know the right groups, the right WhatsApp mm. groups, um, you get to know a, a, a trader, yeah. a, a person that will help you. It's a little bit like if you go to a meetup in South mm. Africa, I guess mm. you can mm. meet the person and they yes, will exchange yes. money. So, and that is not a problem. So yes. there's always Bitcoin USD liquidity. Okay, interesting. But only peer to peer. Yes. And I always that's say, what you wanted though. That's what you <laughs> yeah. want. That's exactly yeah. my, my point of view, how Bitcoin should grow which is sustainable adoption. Yes. I think only grassroots adoption is sustainable yeah, adoption. And we see that also in El Salvador. Yeah. Um, and um, from that point of view, that's why I hope to, like with my, my I was in Zimbabwe already in March, 2020, February, mm. 2020, and did my first talk there about Bitcoin. So when I came back, we had the second one. And so more people came and It was great because that, a guy from Bulawayo, he had to drive six hours by bus, mm. but he wanted to come because he thought he's the only Bitcoiner. Yes. And now we found out he now, there are three or four of yes. them in Bulawayo now. Yes. And um, that's, that's I think, the great thing to be, like Bitcoin for Fairness, to be a, like a catalyst yeah. for people to meet the first time and then take it from there. I can't believe he drove. I actually watched that interview, but I can't believe he drove from Bulawayo to Harare. He that's did. A, that's a long drive. In the bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very long drive. Yeah. That's like six and then hours. he stayed two days or so because yeah. then we did the interview and yeah. then he drove back. Yes, yes, yes. He's actually on our on our signal group as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's great to see. It's amazing to see that there's, there's people out there that are that are doing it. But yeah, peer-to-peer, -peer it's, the, it's the only way to grow it sustainably because it'll just get shut down otherwise if it becomes too... Too dangerous to I, the, the authorities. Yeah, I guess so. And also, you have the <clears throat> privacy implications with KYC. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the 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 hacking risk that happens every that, single day. That's the next. Yeah. No, but I mean, not just coins. Your, your KYC information being hacked. Yeah, yeah. So that that they, they get, that happens every single day. Also, yeah. Um, we saw it happen with BlockFi. Now, it wasn't even them mm -hmm. that got hacked. It was HubSpot that got hacked. Their, yeah. their CRM system, and they say, okay, well, sorry, it happened to our CRM provider, but so. So it was the marketing data, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah. I mean, it was. But I think it was even address down to address level. Yeah, I mean, um, I, 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 to be honest, I was in the ledger hack. I know. And even my, I was so silly to ship my hardware wallet back then to my house. Yeah, as I learned. So now, yeah, <laughs> now I left. <laughs> yeah, you, you learn like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think everybody, got, I think every Bitcoiner who's in like for five, six, seven, eight years has been scammed in one or the other way or had such yeah. a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had ship your hardware devices to your office. Or to yeah. a local post office exactly. and go pick them up there, or something. Just don't have a chip to your house. Exactly. Yeah, because that leaves a that leaves a chain. And also, always use uh, not your real email address. Set yes. up an email address. With, yes. Yeah. And and make use of uh, retailers who delete your information. So, for example, yeah. the CoinKite team deletes your information after mm -hmm. I think it's 30, 30 or 90 days. Mm -hmm. They delete all your information, so yeah. they don't have that information on hand anymore. Yeah. 
Um, and that's easy for them because they're not selling Bitcoin, so they don't, they don't get caught up in the in the regulations surrounding financial transactions. Yes. They're just selling hardware, yeah. um, so they don't have to keep your information. Yeah. Unfortunately, in South Africa, if you are selling any financial product, um, Bitcoin isn't regulated yet, but it's going to be regulated in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to keep that information for five years, yeah. which is that's compliant. In Australia, you have to like, just if you're a business, you have to mm-hmm. keep it for seven years. Just if so, any business. So for instance, yeah. So for instance, <clears throat> I have an uh, online course about Bitcoin and at the beginning I sold it because I needed to earn some money, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and then I stopped doing that because I would have, have had to, to keep the customer information for seven years and I didn't yeah. want to be uh, responsible for yeah. that. I it's mean, it's a big I, responsibility. Yeah. Especially if you take someone's address because now they can be subject to physical attack, which is, you know, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it becomes a becomes a very big responsibility. Um, <clears throat> okay, so you've moved on from Zimbabwe and Zambia, now you're mm-hmm. in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, how long are you spending in South Africa and are you trying to meet the community down here as well? Yes, exactly. I'm spending like three and a half weeks here. Oh, nice. And so today I'm meeting you, tomorrow someone else to make an interview. And I think there's a, some sort of small meetup uh, next week. If there isn't, there will be. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I would also, actually, I wanted to ask you in the last week, I'm here like on the 17th or 18th. I would like to do a small meetup maybe. Mm, for sure. That would be nice. Yeah. And in between, I'm going to Mossel Bay. Um, oh, nice. To meet to up with, to Herman. Exactly. Yeah. I want to see what they have been doing and uh, also support them. Mm. Like I'm bringing a Raspberry Blitz. Okay. So You're lucky you found one. I found one, yeah, but in, in Germany, yeah. I, I, I directly from the, the, the producer, yes, like Fumo, yes, yes. you know. <laughs> so I asked them, do you still have one? And he said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they sent it to me. And so we set up the note. Okay. Um, and I brought some hardware wallets. I hope I can bring them because Tracer yeah. is donating some hardware wallets. Yeah. And we thought it's a good idea. Oh, Herman said it's a good idea so that the shop owners like the guys who already accept yes. Lightning as a payment, that we can uh, set up a hardware wallet with them and show them how to self-custody um, their their money. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm also trying to learn a lot because I'm interested in how they facilitate the payments <clears throat> yeah. and especially how the guys then um, can buy the goods they need. Mm. Because I think it's mm. not that easy also here. Exactly. What, the problem we have everywhere is that people need re- local currencies yeah. to pay for things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what I like most about the Bitcoin Ikasi project and what Herman is doing there is he's not trying to be prescriptive to the community on how they should adopt Bitcoin. Mm. He's working with the surf coaches who live in that community. Mm-hmm. And, he, and they are the guys going into the community and trying to figure out how to solve this problem. So it's not a... South Africa has had Europeans come here for 400 years and try to prescribe their solutions. And and the top-down approach doesn't work. Um, So they're doing it the other way around and they're taking the grassroots approach and and seeing what sticks, you know, seeing what works. And I think it's been pretty successful thus far. Um, What they are are trying to do is to get the shop owners to come to terms with Bitcoin security um, and that your funds won't be stolen, they can't be stolen if you succeeded it in the right way. Because inflation in South Africa is a big, big problem. Um, it's not as bad as Zimbabwe, obviously, and, and a lot of other countries. It's not as bad as the US currently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, 7.5 uh, to 10% inflation is standard 
you know, yeah. 6% inflation okay. is kind of the norm and that's official. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the unofficial inflation statistics, you're probably over 10%. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in my, when I was growing up, a, a, a large can of Coca-Cola um, when I was in primary school was two Rand and now it's, you know, over 10. So yeah. that's 5X and just in my, in 20 years. Yeah. So these people, um, the poorest of the poor experience inflation worse than anyone else does because it's the, they have no assets that go up with inflation. They don't have yeah. a stock portfolio. They don't have a house that they can take money out of the access bond, their, their mortgage to, you know, get to leverage that inflation in their favor. They just get experience the brunt of it. Um, so Bitcoin as a savings technology in, in the um, poorest communities in South Africa is very, very powerful, but you've got to get past that scam factor first. Cause as you say, everyone has already been scammed. And in the townships, the Bitcoin scams are rife. And it's just because multi-level marketing mm -hmm. add Bitcoin on top. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's like mm -hmm. any other multi-level marketing scam. They just add Bitcoin, mm -hmm. do it now and now. It's, it's even MLM more, on steroids. Yeah, it's even more potent. You know. <laughs> yeah. So that is a problem. Um, but the team at Bitcoin Acacia are doing very good work because they're educating people in their home language. They're not going there and speaking to them in English. They've got local Causa speakers who speak oh, to them in Causa, okay. and and so it's um it's very powerful. Um, and before they got hardware wallets, they actually got seed plates. So, yeah, I saw so, yeah. yesterday the video where they are stamping. Yeah, yeah. They, they, so one of the guys in our local group has made a has made a jig, and he's been distributing them amongst our, and they've made it their way up to Muscle Bay, so you can make <laughs> your own seed plates on a washer. Because uh -huh. if you buy a seed plate online, it's like a thousand rand. Yeah, yeah sixty thousand, USD or seventy. Easy. Yeah. yeah, so thousand thousand five hundred rand mm -hmm. for 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 a seed plate. Um, but with this homemade, it's a three D printed jig that holds it in place mm -hmm. and uh, puts the washer in and then you get mm -hmm. the number punches but to buy it once off costs you about 700 rand um which is 35 40 euros mm -hmm. but then every 24 words is like 25 rand mm -hmm. to because you just buy a set uh -huh. of washers so mm -hmm. once you've got that and that thing can be shared amongst a bunch of people mm -hmm. so for example the store owner can have one himself and then he can charge people to come and make their own, for example. Oh, that's and a good idea. You just yeah. charge them for the washers. Yeah, it's a business. Time. Yeah, it's a business. So then it, yeah. call it 40 Rand, for example, yeah. to come and make your own. And if it's 12 words, it's even easier. 12 oh, words is the price rate. Yeah. You know, it's cheaper, it's easier. Yeah. Um, and he can sell the, the washers already pre-numbered, so it's easier. Because I don't know if you've made one of those before, but it takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's real proof of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just banging those letters. So. Yeah. It's um, yeah, but it's real proof of work, you know. Yeah, you feel good when you feel good when you've, you've done it. Yeah. Um, but it's, so they had those before they had hardware wallets, mm -hmm. which tells you they've been they've been taught the right way how to do this, you know. Um, so they've got their software wallets on their phone, and then they store their private keys that way. Mm -hmm. um, and in the township, your biggest risk, besides theft, is fire or floods, mm -hmm. because shacks are not mm -hmm. resistant to either of those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. um, so having something that's indestructible like that is very, very important. So where do they put it then? Probably bury it in the bury ground it, under, yeah. their, under their floor. Because it yeah, falls. I would, I would soil, do that. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Put it in a coffee can, bury it. Yeah. Um, and that's your, that's your, can be your life savings. And for future generations, you know, 50, 100 years. Mm. I wonder, but I, what I really wonder is if those guys there in the township go out and everybody knows that they are dealing with Bitcoin, isn't that a danger? That is a danger, very much so. Um, so this is where things like multi-sig are going to become important. Mm. So once again, this is where Bitcoin and Cassie can play a role. They can have the coordination software on their laptop. They've got a computer with Sparrow running on their computer mm -hmm. and the guys can bring in their hardware wallets. And for example, um, Bitcoin and Cassie, Herman can have one key 
and he can hold a key for them and they say doing a two of three multi-sig mm. then they can have a key on their phone and they could have a key on their hardware wallet so mm. they control two keys mm. um and you do still run the risk because if someone knows you hold bitcoin they have to get the two keys from you but you could keep those two in separate places yes yes, yes. for example so this kind of education especially for the vendors is going to become important i think security. i think then it's even better that adoption is fast because if everyone has Bitcoin, then you're not single, cannot be yeah. singled out anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. But I, I really think the, the inflation approach is the big one because people here know, especially now, prices are going up massively. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so one, one measure is cooking oil. People use a lot of cooking oil to cook their, in the township to cook their food. And the price of cooking oil has almost doubled. So that's a they they really you don't have to tell them about inflation. They, feel it, yeah. they know they, they know, know more about inflation than any <laughs> yeah, central yeah, bank yeah, governor yeah, yeah, can yeah, tell yeah. you about inflation. Uh -huh. um, so if you can tell them, listen, this is a inflation resistant money over five years, you know, not over six months or one year, but over a five year term. That's mm -hmm. I think that's the. And the do one. do people here go into the U.S. dollars as much as no. in Zimbabwe? Not at all. Not at all, not right? At all. They, so they don't use this wealthy as an wealthy people do. Mm. But not really. Mm -hmm. um, they have so wealth people have offshore bank accounts or they have a USD denominated accounts where they store some dollars. But people in the township, no. The South African Rand, as far as central banks go, the South African Central Bank um, has done a very good job. And I'm not a fan of central banks, mm -hmm. um, but I would say that they've done a better job than 95% of central banks in the world. Mm. Um, we, if you look at our money supply, our M1 money supply has only increased by 140% in the last 10, 10 years. Take Canada, it increased 300% in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. So um, from that angle, mm. um, and pick a pick a bank, uh, we've pr printed less money than they have, mm -hmm. which is surprising. So there's a lot of fiscal um, conservatism in the South African Reserve Bank in that sense. But at the end of the day, they're still shitcoiners. You know, they're still going to print money. It's still eventually the Reserve Bank will be captured politically and it will become a tool of politics. It's just the, just the way it goes. Yeah, so of it's course. Not, it's not a matter of if, yeah. it's a matter of when. Yeah, it's everywhere the same. <clears throat> so so to answer your question, no, no one in, in the poor community holds um, USD. They all hold rands. Mm -hmm. And do they also like bury it at home? I mean, have it at home? Because do they trust the banks? <clears throat> no, Is, uh, oh, so, not so, at all. <laughs> so they are also not banked. So like in Zimbabwe and everywhere else, people are poor people are not banked. No, poor people, yeah. everyone is banked in South Africa. Very close to everyone. Uh -huh. um, but they don't trust the banks. Oh, that's... So, so you'll see on payday, there will be massive queues outside the banks to mm -hmm. withdraw all their money. Mm -hmm. And that might be a factor of a few things. It might be a factor of they have outstanding debts and they don't want the payday loan sharks who are claiming back debit orders from them to take money out of their bank. So that's why they remove all their cash because they have debt. Mm -hmm. um, it could also be that they don't trust the bank and it could also be that they want to do most of their transactions in cash because in the township economy, most people are using cash because mm -hmm. to receive a payment costs 3% mm -hmm. across a card rail. Mm -hmm. And when you're offering, operating a Spazo shop that and your gross margin is 7% to give away 3% to a payment processor as a non-starter. Yeah. Um, so you end up with only 7% margin. And then if you put your prices up, they are, your consumers are willing to walk five kilometers for that 3% difference, you know, to go and pay in cash. Yeah. Because so, they have time. But not because they have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's exactly it. So, so everyone is banked. Everyone has a bank account. Our banking infrastructure is extremely advanced. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to transact in South Africa and send money around. And we have, we were one of the first countries in the world to have a real-time settlements between banks. Mm -hmm. um, so we can, I can do an instant EFT to you, even though you. What work. is an EFT? 
a, a electronic fund transfer. So it's a bank, ah. to, a bank to bank transfer. Okay. So instead of using the card rail, so paying via card, mm -hmm. I send money from my bank account to yours. Mm -hmm. So SEPA in the, in mm -hmm. the yeah. EU and the US, they've got their own system. Um, but so we have real time payments where mm -hmm. you can pay an extra amount with my bank at seven hundred and fifty to transfer money to you instantly and then the money shows up in your account instantly you don't wait two days for it to clear or whatever okay. and if you're with the same bank it's instant mm -hmm. um so our banking infrastructure is very is very advanced um it's relatively safe um it's it's the, the issue doesn't sit it's not people won't leave the rand because the banking system sucks um on a user experience level mm -hmm. uh on a on a system level they'll leave because you know the the money is losing its value but the banks will be there all the way to, you know, make the system work for them. So it's, yeah, I think inflation is going to be the key issue. It's not so much the unbanked. Mm -hmm. mm. And um, do you have something like mobile money yet? So they tried. So the company, the country, the company that rolled out mobile money in Kenya is mm -hmm. Vodacom. Yeah. So Vodacom is a South African company. Mm -hmm. So they rolled out Mpesa mobile money in, in Kenya and it worked phenomenally well mm -hmm. because people are unbanked, mm -hmm. etc. They tried it in South Africa, complete failure. Oh, interesting. Because the banking infrastructure is good enough that you don't mm -hmm. need to rely on sending airtime around to, to make payments. Yeah. Um, so it does, people do still use it, but it's very, very limited and not at all a thing. And I think it's probably discontinued in most, mm -hmm. most regions. And is there anyone, are people using stable coins here? I'm interested in that because in, in Zimbabwe, uh, I was asked actually, what's a stable coin? So mm. I wanted to ask them how many of you use it, but um, the question came back. Yeah, so we have stable coins. Um, someone, there's a few people building stable coin rands, stable czars, as they were. Uh -huh. um, the traders make use of stable coins mostly, the crypto traders, the mm -hmm. same as all over the world. They mm -hmm. make use of USDC or USDT or you mm -hmm. know, whatever, one of die or whatever stable coin of their choice. Um, but no. There isn't really a, a large following for a stablecoin yet. I could see how it could work specifically with Taro mm -hmm. for merchants to accept Bitcoin payments and immediately convert it into a stablecoin. Mm -hmm. And especially if the if the wallet programmatically lets them set convert two percent mm -hmm. to Bitcoin and give me ninety eight percent in 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 fiat. So it's like an automatic savings account. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think yes. that would really that's really something that's very much needed here. Mm -hmm. I mean. And then there's the question, I was just discussing it today with the guys from Zimbabwe who want to set up the miners because they have the idea that they don't need the money that they um, get from mining. They want to give it away for adoption, you know, to, to other people. But then the question is, you can't just give money away, you no, know, people will spend it. It's not sustainable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so we were thinking, so what, what could we do? Like, is there an inbuilt savings account that only gives you the money after two years or something mm. like that? Mm. But I don't know if this is not too much, you know, like prescriptive. Ha, ha, yeah, yeah. 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 Possibly. I, I shy away from anything that tries to tell people how to spend their own money. Yeah. You know? Just because yeah. I, I used to work in that industry, like we we're saying before the, before we started the recording, I used to work in financial services mm -hmm. and the excuse that financial managers always make about their products that lock your money up is they say, oh, but people don't know how to save themselves. Oh, yeah. So they're thankful to us because <laughs> we give them this product and it forces them to save. No one's thankful that they're forced to do anything. Yeah, That's yeah, just yeah, something right. they tell themselves to make themselves feel better because your money's locked away for five years. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I'm, so that they have the money to work with it. on. Exactly. Yeah. Because then they can go do whatever they want. Yeah, and after yeah. five years, your returns have been poor. 
there's no repercussions. Yeah. Um, they're like, sorry, well, you can move it if you want. It's, you know, it is what it is. The ship has already sailed. Um, so I think a wallet that allows for stable coins and Bitcoin simultaneously, that is non-KYC. And this is the tricky part because stable coins always come with KYC. Um, I don't know enough about Tara yet to know if you could do that in a KYC free manner, because I can hold, I can hold a uh, stable coin without requiring KYC, but it's the on-ramps where it becomes, where it gets regulated, right? Yeah. I mean, you should look into, I don't know if you've heard about it, but money on chain, mm. uh, it's, uh, on, on RSK, the side chain of Bitcoin. Yeah. And they have a dollar stable coin, DOC, mm. dollar on chain. Okay. I made an interview with Gabriel Kuman about that uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I've never used it, but mm. I think they they are trying to like, yeah, <clears throat> make it that people know about it more. Mm. Uh, because of course, Bitcoiners want things built on, on Bitcoin yep. and not Absolutely. on any other Absolutely. coin. Yeah, because essentially if you are, if you have stable coins that are regulated, they're going to rag pull you at some point. And, that's and what, it doesn't protect you against inflation. Exactly. That was the point where I wanted to get to. Mm. Maybe uh, you could look at it and see. I, I'm not sure if they have KYC because they are decentralized. Mm. Um, so maybe yeah, it probably. works without. I don't know. It's just it's just the, the on-ramp yeah. where you have to buy these dollars, for example. But if they're interchangeable, if I could pay in Bitcoin, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how to start with this. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I need to speak to an expert about this. But yeah. ideally, if you could do it in a no-KYC no way, that would be ideal. Mm. Um, because, you know, identity theft is, is, the, real, is yeah. the real problem here. And KYC, in my opinion, is the crime. Um, because yeah. it is forcing people into the system where you are then giving the information to untrustworthy people to hold for them for a long period of time, which will get stolen. Exactly. And... Also, we know how ineffective this all work is. This doesn't KYC. stop anything. No, it doesn't stop no. anything. So it's a joke. <clears throat> it's like the the war against drugs. You know, I mean, people people still use and sell drugs. Drugs yeah. won that war. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a side note. Like I, I used to live in America uh, about fifteen years ago, mm -hmm. and recently seeing footage come out of America of the drug problem, the opioid crisis in America. America never used to look like that. The cities like Detroit and Philadelphia and, and you know, Baltimore, they were bad, but they weren't, they weren't just like kilometers of drug addicts just on the streets standing there. So they have this war on drugs and yet this is the outcome. It's, yeah. ob it's obscene. It's not yeah. even like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we can only imagine what's going to happen with their war on, on money laundry and, and AML. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be even if that's the outcome of the war on yeah. drugs I can only imagine what this is going to be yeah. well a digital panopticon I suppose yeah definitely that's where we go mm. and that's why it's so important to educate people on self-custody right yeah. and that's what you are doing yeah. uh, with, with Bitwise yeah yeah. so so my co-founder Brandon and I decided um, a while back that we wanted we saw this gap in the market that um, for people to get Bitcoin the best channel to distribute is through financial advisors because they are speaking to all their customers um, all the time. And, and every single time a financial advisor meets this customer about investments, his client says to him, tell me about Bitcoin. And inevitably, the financial advisors all say, don't worry about Bitcoin, it's a scam because there's no incentive for them to tell their customers about Bitcoin because they don't make any money on it. So we built a system where they can advise their customers on Bitcoin, give the, set them up with their own self-custody address, place orders for their customers, and then the Bitcoin goes directly to the customer's hardware wallet or multi-sig oh, or whatever you, it's got you set. have 
financial advisors in this uh, brokerage? In a way? Well, this is where it gets interesting. So we built this whole system and we were under the impression that yes, we might be a bit early because Bitcoin regulation is coming, it will become a financial asset and advisors will be able to sell it. Turns out that the regulation has not come yet because the South African government is very slow to do anything, which is a good, be happy, be happy. A good and a bad thing. Use it yeah. now, build. So, so that side of the business hasn't really taken off. We've got a few advisors advising customers, but it's not really allowed is how it works. Mm -hmm. So we actually, anyone watching, we have zero advisors advising customers on Bitcoin. Yeah. We, don't, we don't want to get them into trouble. Um, but so that side of the business is, exists still and we're, waiting, we're ready for that regulation to come because then we've got the whole infrastructure built. But what happened in the interim was we found that there was a massive retail demand mm -hmm. from people who want self-custody. And Bitcoiners already who are into self-custody and just want an exchange they can buy Bitcoin from and have it sent directly to their self-custody. Um, mm -hmm. Then with the other services that come with that, like DCA and things like that. So um, that's been our drive. And we don't hold anyone's Bitcoin at all. Um, I mean, you could technically say we do for a brief period while they send us their money. And then as soon as it reflects, we send them their Bitcoin. Yeah. So is that period. So I know some of our, um, uh, I would say, supporters who point out flaws in our business model will say that to us, you know, because um, they come from a good place. So, yes, we are working on, on reducing that amount of time we handle the Bitcoin. But by and large, it goes to you um, and we don't hold your Bitcoin for any longer than two hours, for example. Mm -hmm. So that we self-custody only, it, it goes to them. And then we do constant education with our clients, our clients who want it. So if, for example, you start with a, a, hot, a hot wallet on your phone, then you can come for us, get education, learn how to set up your hardware wallets. And we've got a lot of customers who use multisigs now. So we've set up the multisigs for them. We've got a, a Bitcoin will, which is like if you die, so mm -hmm. your family can get hold of your Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. it's like a, we take a sharded approach. So you put your uh, everything works with a let's take the single sig hardware wallet as an example. Mm -hmm. You have a hardware wallet with a passphrase. This mm -hmm. is key. So mm -hmm. you can keep your seed words in one document, mm -hmm. and a second document which goes alongside the document is kept by a trusted partner, mm -hmm. like your brother or your father mm -hmm. or, or some family member, you know. They keep the other document which contains your passphrase. Mm -hmm. So the two have to come together in order to access the funds. So mm -hmm. in the one document, you stipulate here's my seed words. Uh, here's the wallets, etc. Everything's is held in it, and here's the the letter saying yes, this person can get the Bitcoin, and they're duly authorized to act on it. And you need to go and speak to this person to get the other documents to bring the two together. And now you have the seed words and the passphrase. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't have the device, you can still recover the Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, and then your list of instructions of who it should go to. And then obviously we can also act as an administrator in that process, where the people, both parties, might not understand Bitcoin. They can bring the documents yeah. to us, and then we administrate and send the Bitcoin where it's, yeah. it's got to go. So yeah, we've got a couple of product lines there. We've just launched our our packages, um, which is basically it's what we've been doing for the last two years, but or last year. But it's a streamlined approach. You can book them online, so you can book a fifteen minute consultation session with mm -hmm. one of our our staff. So if you've got any Bitcoin question, um, you can come speak to us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's in a nutshell what we're doing. We are launching the DCA product pretty soon, um, and then one of the interesting things we'd love to work on in the future is DCA by Lightning, mm -hmm. because the current problem with with dollar cost averaging to self-custody is there's a minimum threshold where below a certain amount doesn't make sense to send it to you anymore. Mm -hmm. If you come to me with uh, one euro, yeah. the on-chain fees are, let's say 10 cents is 10% of the fee. It doesn't make sense to move that mm -hmm. amount. So with Lightning, you can get around that. Um, and now with the tools being built by Sovereign, for example, where you can lease liquidity and, and uh, Lightning channels, it becomes a lot easier because managing a Lightning node is actually, 
I know. A job. It's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard work, yeah. So if you can lease that liquidity from a, a company that specializes in that, it makes it a lot easier. So the aim would be to have all of our customers open lightning channels to us, and then they can stack um, in DCA, and we can do stacks hourly. Yeah, and like they can that. stake like, like 50 cents. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because we've got the banking integration set up where you can uh, link your bank accounts and then make a payment, in, uh, EFT payment to us. Um, <clears throat> and under a, small, under a certain amount, we can front the money to you, essentially. So we can provide you the Bitcoin before the money has landed with us. Because it's an EFT, a bank-to-bank -bank transfer, they can't you can't reverse the payment. It's very difficult to reverse the payment. So we know at 99% certainty that the money is going to land with us. So then um, the user initiates EFT immediately as soon as we get the success token that the transaction has happened, we can send you the sats to your channel. So you can get that instant gratification of getting your Bitcoin to self-custody immediately mm -hmm. via Lightning. Mm -hmm. And we know that even if something goes horribly wrong on that transaction, we lose all the money on that transaction. It's limited to under a certain amount and it's only one user. Mm -hmm. So the damage is limited. Mm -hmm. So we just build that into our threat model. But yeah, so these are all the, the, the avenues we, mm -hmm. we're looking at. And, and what, when did you start the company? We started February last year. And how is adoption going? I mean, how how how's the user growth? I mean, you don't yeah. have to tell real numbers, but just give a, an example or an estimation of the growth. So growth has been pretty good. Um, we've been limited by our product offering, which is just straight to self-custody Bitcoin. And we've been limited by our minimum. So we started with 20,000 Rand minimum, which is, what's that, 1,500 euros, mm -hmm. roughly. So quite a large minimum order. Mm -hmm. And then we've scaled that down as we've grown. We've scaled it down to 5,000 Rand. So we've brought it down by quite a bit. But the aim is to bring that all the way down to 500 Rand mm -hmm. so that users can buy smaller amounts. So the aim is that you on a weekly basis can stack 500 Rand of Bitcoin mm -hmm. um, to bring you to like 2,000 Rand a month. But that's so that's the aim. So growth has been good. Um, and then we're very uh, positive that when we launch our new product lines, we'll, we'll grow more. But you, you have to do KYC too, right? Yes, yeah. unfortunately we do. Uh, yeah. But I do want it to be known that we do it begrudgingly. <laughs> we don't want to do it. Yeah, I know. It's not, none of us in our company um, agree with the idea. Yeah. We all, and so we do the absolute minimum that is required by law. Yeah. Um, you don't overfulfill like all the banks do. No. Yeah. And we try our best to delete customer records that are not required mm. by law as well. Mm. So our, our aim is to be as, um, as information minimalist as possible. Mm -hmm. Where we want to go. Do you have... How many or do you have and how many of those do you have, like Bitcoin ATMs in South Africa? So there's Cape Town has got the most. I think there's four in, in the Cape Town area. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a couple more around the country. There's probably, there's less than 10 in the country. Okay, so not, not so many. Not so many. But the thing is, um, we've got massive exchanges where mm -hmm. it's very easy to go and buy Bitcoin. So yeah. Luna yeah. is one of the biggest in yeah. the world. They're in the top 10 in the world now. Yeah. Um, they started here in Cape Town. And if you look on the CBD, there's a big building with a lunar <laughs> sign on the roof uh, in between all the banks. Uh -huh. um, so that's good news to see. It's not their building, but it's a good marketing trick. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so, yeah, so the ATM side hasn't been that, the requirement hasn't been there. That being said, the ATMs do very good business. Mm, I can imagine. Mm. But it's also like for privacy because yeah. can you buy without ID here? Uh, no. No, oh, no. under, so under for, a, for for like <clears throat> very small amounts, you also have to show your ID at the ATM. Oh, oh ATMs. ATM. No, no, no. So so ATMs are KYC free yeah. up to twenty five thousand rand. Okay. So under twenty five thousand rand, you don't have to show mm -hmm. KYC information, mm -hmm. which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, but the fee is very high. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at about ten percent, six to ten percent, um, on your mm -hmm. on your ATMs, which is okay. quite high. 
So this is why we advocate people to, um, first off, buy Bitcoin through Bitwise because it's easy and we send it straight to self-custody. Mm -hmm. And then if you, we will give you advice if you want to go through CoinJoins, for example, how to make use of CoinJoin implementations, oh, okay. Whirlpool uh, or JoinMark or something like that. We're not Wasabi fans, um, but we would definitely advise people if they want to go the Whirlpool route. Um, or if you want to be KYC free, we encourage peer-to-peer -peer transactions and we do them in our yeah. own group. So we've got our own signal group. So yeah, I need yeah. Rand <clears throat> and mm. I have Bitcoin. So mm. in the signals group, I could ask someone. And you will get it. If you say someone. you exchange it afterwards to me. If you post in that group, I want to sell Bitcoin. Yeah. Within 30 seconds, you'll have five people sell buy a Bitcoin. Okay. And yeah. what's the price then? What do they take? Or They'll is take it like the South African market rate. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. So people won't even give you a, a margin over spot. They'll just give they you spot want, price. They want that by Bitcoin. Yeah. They want, they want to buy Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and they and want KYC to, free. KYC free. Yeah. And more importantly, they, they want to help the, the local Bitcoin community. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I can guarantee you, you post and then you'll have people buy it. They'll buy your Bitcoin and give you your hands very quickly. Great, great. <laughs> yeah. And you were just talking about coin joining. Um, I'm I'm doing this now with this with the Sparrow wallet. Mm. Yes. Um, but our wallet um, of choice I, as well. Yeah, it's a great wallet. Built in Cape Town, I, by the way. Really? Yeah. Craig, oh, wow. South Africans from Cape Town. You should definitely meet him. Yes, yeah. I didn't I'll know that he's here. Yeah, 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 cool. Because just recently, um, my friend from Bitcoin Austria, a long-time Bitcoiner, in um, introduced me to the Sparrow wallet mm. because I had problems with my wallets in BTC Pay server with the gap limit. Mm. And he showed me how easy it is with the Sparrow, Sparrow wallet to, to change the gap limit. Mm. Um, and then we also started to coin join a little bit. <laughs> and, but I'm, I'm, uh, I have one mix, so it's mm. in the post mix now, okay. but um, this takes days. There's nothing, it doesn't work. I don't know. It takes days depending on how much fee you're willing to pay. So if you set it at one set per byte, you're going to be but, the last one to go into the, into the rounds of mixes. But the, the post mix fee, I mean, I, I, you can choose the fee once yes. in the first mix. Yes. But afterwards yes. you can't change it anymore. No, you because can't. Because you pay, don't pay anything anymore. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe because I was cheap, it <clears throat> takes so long. This is my, but the thing with, with Whirlpool is that it's strange. Sometimes you'll wait days, you go and get a single round of mixes. Some days you'll get four rounds of mixes going through in a day. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I didn't get a single one yeah. after the first one. So, so. The, the cool thing about Sparrow is to hook it up to your cold storage. Mm -hmm. So you'll take your sats from a KYC source, put them into, into your deposit address on Sparrow. Mm -hmm. um, they'll mix and then your post mix goes directly to your cold storage. Yeah. So you can allocate where your cold storage is. But to then go I to. only have one mix, I mean one round. And I think the anon mm. anonymity set is not very high. I need five. You need five. five rounds, yeah, yeah. You need so, five rounds. I would go minimum five rounds, but what this is what I'm saying. Like you could get, it's, you only have one round, and then in the next two days you could get all of the next four. Yeah. Um, so it's and so it's, it's a case of. Um, but then you need basically a second computer to leave it running, right? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it comes with its. It comes it, with its. It nuances. has. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. For sure. Um, but this is, so I'll put you in contact with Craig and you can Super. set up a meeting with him. But yeah, yeah it's right. built in Cape Town. Um, huh. and, and we went through many different wallets um, with Bitvice to figure out one to distribute the sets to our customers. Mm -hmm. um, we've tried them all, blue wallet, green wallets, Exodus, um, mm -hmm. and Sparrow. And we found the Sparrow is by far the best. Yeah. Um, just because one of this one small feature, you can upload a CSV file of addresses and amounts 
to centers. So if we're distributing to 20 people in one in one transaction. Oh, because you, you upload the addresses <coughs> and the amount into Sparrow and Sparrow does the rest. Like and say send and then it sends uh, in one because you want to send them all in one transaction, right? Yes. So you want to send because that you minimize fees. Yeah, of course. Of course yeah. Wow. So you can send all those in, in one, one transaction. transaction. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. And instead of having to type them in manually, mm -hmm. you can just upload a CSV. So our system for that that group of transactions can generate you a CSV. We then just take that and upload it into Sparrow. So it makes the whole process a oh, lot easier. Yeah. So a lot thank of you, Craig. <laughs> made our life a lot easier. <laughs> um, so you said uh, Bitcoin is not regulated in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So is there a tax on it? Currently, it's treated either as income tax or capital gains tax, depending on the duration you've held it for. So uh -huh. the rule of thumb is if you've held it for more than three years, it's treated as capital gains tax. Mm -hmm. If you've held it for less than three years, potentially, it will be treated as a as a trade and treated as income tax. So if the if SARS, the revenue service, um, sees that you've been trading like a degenerate, you're going to get hit with income tax, mm -hmm. which is why we advocate people don't sell your Bitcoin, don't trade, don't trade for shit coins, just buy and hold, accumulate, and capital gains tax, you're going to get taxed at 18%, whereas mm -hmm. income tax, you're going to tax in your income bracket, uh -huh. and our lowest bracket is 18%. Okay. So unless you are making less money than would allow you to buy Bitcoin, it's going to be bad for you to be paying income tax. So yeah, mm -hmm. those are the two, the two approaches. Mm -hmm. um, if you are buying things in Bitcoin, then... Yeah, but basically it's a trade. I mean, you, you're, not, you, you're paying in South African rent, so you change Bitcoin to rent. Yeah, but so if, if you are, paying, if you are paying someone directly in Bitcoin, yeah. Then there's no record. There's no. Oh, you, you mean know, that, you know that's what, I mean? what you mean? Yeah. So it's it's in that sense it's much easier. So it's, let's say you meet someone. Um, yeah. And you want to buy I don't know whatever something from them. Um, you're doing a peer to peer trade for physical goods or whatever. You pay them in Bitcoin. You know, there's no physical. There's no chain to your wallet. Yeah, the only question you know? is if you bought it at Bitwise, then yes. they know. No, they don't. They don't. So they could know. They. The only way they would know, so Bitwise doesn't do any uh, reporting by, we don't report by choice to, to the receiver of revenue. They have to come with a subpoena mm -hmm. to subpoena individuals' records. So mm -hmm. we're not part of the Financial Intelligence Center um, sandbox where they share information. You have to come with a subpoena for a specific person to get their, uh -huh. their history. That's good. That's so good. we don't provide them privacy first. That's our, mm -hmm. our approach. So this is why we say to our customers, have your Bitcoin sent to your Whirlpool deposit address. Whirlpool it because financial privacy is not a crime. Because it's a, it's not a safe, yet. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a safety feature. Yeah. In a country like South, South Africa, where violent crime is is through the roof, where we have we have fifty thousand murders a year. You oh. know, it's massive. Whoa. Yeah. So it's, it's it's out of control. It's it's huge. So we live in a very, very dangerous um, country and that's hyper localized obviously in certain areas that's not evenly spread across the country some places are much more dangerous than mm -hmm. others i mean there's some places in south africa that are as safe as you know the safest place in europe mm -hmm. um but it just depends where you are but the point being that if i have all of my sets in a self-custody wallet and i go and pay someone in bitcoin that person can check the blockchain and see all of my transactions yeah. and see all my sets and you might see oh this guy's got x amount of bitcoin i'm going to follow him home and hold him up and steal his bitcoin um, whereas if you've gone through Whirlpool and you've, you've treated your, your privacy seriously, you're not going to have that problem. Um, so it's a, it's a safety feature. It's not because you're trying to do dodge anything. It's because you're protecting yourself mm. and you have a right mm. to financial privacy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, 
the, the easiest step, I think, is to use separate Bitcoin addresses for each transaction. Yeah. That's where it yeah. starts and don't reuse an address. Never, ever reuse an address. Yeah. yeah. And so this is one of the things we also do is we users upload the address. Um, so we encourage people to just every time you want to make a purchase, just give us a, another address. Mm -hmm. The next step would be to get users to give us an XPUB and it can just randomly generate mm -hmm. an address as well. Uh, that has privacy trade-offs, obviously, but it is better than, you know, um, using the same address every mm -hmm. single time. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of couple of products enhancements we're looking at here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, what are the languages here, the regional languages? English is the official language, right? No, no, no. We have 11 national languages. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about yeah. translating my book. <laughs> <laughs> so we have 11 national languages. Um, English is one of the least widely spoken. Oh. Um, Afrikaans is actually the most widely yeah. spoken language. Mm -hmm. um, and Afrikaans was derived from Dutch, but it is significantly varied mm -hmm. now that they two can't really understand each other. Mm. I mean, I, I can read Dutch and understand maybe 30% of what they what they're saying Africa, um, in Afrikaans because I can because I'm fluent in Afrikaans. So I can read oh, Dutch. You are fluent in, uh, yeah. the other so I can language. read Dutch and then because I understand Afrikaans, I can, I can understand it. But um, so Afrikaans is the most widely spoken by geography. But then if you look at by amounts of people who speak a language, yeah. it's probably Zulu or Kosa. Uh -huh. Because be... I just wanted to ask, I mean, Afrikaans speakers are white. No. No? No. There are more non-white Afrikaans speakers than oh, white okay. Afrikaans speakers. I thought it's because it's from the Dutch, then I thought maybe the mm. Afrikaans are the white <clears throat> Africans. So the Nationalist Party of South Africa that implemented apartheid mm -hmm. in the 1940s, 1950s, were Afrikaner nationalists. Mm -hmm. But Afrikaans has a full 300, call it 400 year history almost, yeah, yeah. 350 year history in South Africa. And Afrikaans is spoken by the, what's called the colored community, which is a race in South Africa, primarily around Cape Town in the Western Cape. Um, they majority Afrikaans speaking mm -hmm. um, as their primary language. Uh, there's a much smaller community than that speak English, mm -hmm. um, but Afrikaans is the primary language. Um, there's people who are, um, first language, Kosa, Zulu, Venda, Pedi, whose second language is all Afrikaans, not English. And English is their third language. Mm -hmm. So this is why Afrikaans is, is geographically and kilometer wide. It's, it's spoken the wide the most in South Africa in terms of width across the country. But I think um, Zulu or, or Kosa would be the number one spoken by amount of, of people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not mm -hmm. sure between the two of them. And yeah. your your training materials? Do you have that in English or English, in other English only, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but the thing with all Afrikaans people um, who are our, who are, can afford to spend five thousand rand to twenty thousand rand in Bitcoin mm. understand English. Mm. Yeah. English is a universal language, you yeah. know. So, so um, yeah, it hasn't been a it hasn't been a significant hurdle for us yet. But one of the things we'd we'd like to contribute towards um, is the the translation of seminal Bitcoin text. So this is why we support a project called Exonumia mm -hmm. um, because they're translating Bitcoin text yeah. into other languages. So we'd love to see, I'd love to see the Bitcoin standard in Afrikaans, for example, and Kosa and Zulu and all of those languages. Um, we're just lucky that we speak English and mm -hmm. the world yeah. kind of caters to us, but there's a lot of people don't have it that, yeah. that way, you know. Yeah. It's much easier to learn something technical in your first language than That's your third. Right. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you 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 know this problem. <laughs> yeah, speaking German and having to read all this stuff in English must be. A... Yeah, I mean, my first project, one of my first projects, was to translate Andreas Antonopoulos' Internet of Money to German. Okay. Which I did two volumes, and the first 
so like in in the after site, you know, the first one I did, it was really bad, because you know, you, I'm not a professional translator. Yes. You know, you need to be a professional actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's understandable. I think you can understand what is meant yes. and yes. blah. But of course, Andreas Antonopoulos, you know. Um, um fine way of saying yes. things is it's really hard to transport yes. that in yes. another language and then with all the technical um um uh words um yes. terms there is not even a word in german yeah what's with a blockchain in german yeah i mean yeah. blockkette but nobody yeah, would just, say that you yeah know? exactly same in afrikaans <laughs> you say yeah. blockkette yeah but no one would say that yeah. you know so it kind of gets anglicized i suppose yeah but um yeah no it's a it's there's there's a lot of scope in south africa and and it's something I just wanted to touch on is just how many people are into Bitcoin in South Africa. Um, we consistently, South Africa is consistently in the top five um, by Google search trends for the last 10 years mm -hmm. for the term Bitcoin, mm -hmm. search term Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because South Africans love to be scammed. So <laughs> they probably always searching some Bitcoin scam, <laughs> but it's us, Nigeria, and um, Kenya. Kenya is another yep. big one. Um, Australia is pretty big as well, oh, I think. Oh, you mean? Yeah. yeah, but but globally, I mean, Kenya, Kenya, Nigeria, and South mm -hmm. Africa are always in the top five mm -hmm. um, searching for Bitcoin. So everyone's heard about it. Everyone knows about it. Not everyone knows about it that much, but people first, it became very popular in 2017. Yeah. And that's when everyone kind of heard about it for the first, for, or the normies heard about it for the first yeah. time, you know? me too. No, um, not for the first time, but that was the time when I got into it, mm -hmm. yeah. And then now, fast forward 2022, that's in the news again. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, well, I still don't have any Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should get some because when I heard about it then, it went to 20,000. Then I heard it crash. I thought it was dead. And now it's like 60. You mm -hmm. know? And the thing is, you convert it into RAND terms. We hit a million RAND in, <coughs> in South African RANDs, the Bitcoin. Ah, that's another that level where big, it's in the news. Big market when it hit One a million, million RAND. Yeah. Okay. So it's just, I think it was just shy of a million. On some mm -hmm. exchanges, it might have gone over, but it was like 999,000 something. So, that million rand is a big psychological level where it's in but the news. Is there a number of like uh, accounts on exchanges in South Africa? Because I mean, you can't really count Bitcoin addresses or something. This is silly because you can't mm. say it's one person. <laughs> so I mean, there are still enough people. Yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, by the number of uh, exchange accounts, we know it's yeah. about 100 million or something mm. worldwide. So South Africa is a tricky one now because Luno has operations in Nigeria. Um, they have operations in Malaysia, Singapore, the UK. Mm -hmm. So the Luno total customer base now, I think, is 7 million. Okay. But I don't know how much of that is South African. Yeah. I think, according to the Estate Reserve Bank, um, as of 2019 or 2020, there was a total of 2 million people who held cryptocurrency in South Africa. And how many people live in South Africa? Call it 60 million. 60? Yeah. Yeah. But it's almost as, as much as Germany. I think mm. they have 70 or 80. Mm. Yeah. So it's our population in the UK is, is very much the same. Oh, okay. So 2 million people in in a population which isn't as uh, financially mobile as the UK. I mean, mm. I don't know how many people hold Bitcoin in the UK, but mm. 2 million is a good number, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and it, it's gotten there, let's say, 2 million in 10 years. Uh, 10 years from now, it's not going to be 4 million. It's going to be, no. <laughs> be forty million. You yeah, know? I think so too. Um, I would say twenty or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so adoption is adoption is high, and it's it's obviously because number go up, so people are excited about that. Um, but it's got this. I think the staying power now is what's attracting people. The interest is they're like, well, it's still here. Mm. Um, and those who've held 
through the entire cycle. The Lindy effect, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Those guys, the have, they've held through that cycle. Mm. They've seen the lows, um, and if they've kept kept, and they've seen all their shitcoin go to zero, right? Yeah. Um, myself included, I was a shitcoiner in 2017, <laughs> and uh, penance to myself to teach myself not to do that again. I was like, cool, I'm going to just hold those shitcoins and see what happens. And I've seen coins delisted. I've seen coins go to zero. It's a, it's a sad state of affairs, but you know, never do that again. Mm. Um, but yeah, so so those people all speak to their family about it. So you know, now when you're exactly. on the Christmas dinner table, and and your you know your your uncle's like, oh, you still do that Bitcoin thing, and you're like. Yeah. I am. Have you seen the price? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and more specifically, like in South Africa, you're going to struggle to find anyone who thinks the government is doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Anyone. Um, <clears throat> across all political spectrums, everyone thinks the government is useless and incompetent. Even the people who support the current government will tell you that they're useless. <laughs> yeah. um, and the biggest issue we have here is people look at Zimbabwe, it's a neighboring country, mm -hmm. and they say, they're very worried that happens here as well. Very, very worried. Mm -hmm. So um, people are buying Bitcoin in self-defense against the government confiscating your money. Yeah. Um, and the, the current regime is, is kleptocratic. They steal money. Like it's going, they're, very, they're very good at one thing, and that's stealing money. Okay. Um, and they have been robbing the country blind for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, and the... You're speaking average, of Zimbabwe or South Africa now? South Africa, but, but okay. both. Okay, it's the same basis. Yeah. <clears throat> same, same. Um, and uh, the average South African looks at that, um, and anyone who's got a little bit of money, they say, well, look, if I leave my money in a pension fund, the ANC is going to steal it. Eventually mm -hmm. they will. Um, and if I leave it in the bank, they could well just cut me off from my money, which just happened in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and that's waking a lot of people up, especially because... There's a group of people in South Africa who feel discriminated against by the current government. Um, and they were because they were the, seen as the previous beneficiaries of apartheid. And now they are on the receiving end of the government being out to oh. get them. Mm -hmm. So those people are extremely worried about the government confiscating their assets, mm -hmm. devaluing. I mean, expropriation without compensation of land, mm -hmm. taking land like that in Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. is a political topic that is up for discussion. And being there was a bill tabled in Parliament, mm -hmm. like it's, it's a reality mm -hmm. that could happen. Um, so they see the Zimbabwefication of South Africa as a Zimbabwefication. That's interesting. That's a new word. They see that as a as an imminent threat, um, and Bitcoin being a life raft, which it is. Um, yeah. And I think the current situation and what happened in Canada with the trucker protest, and what happened with the U.S. confiscating first Afghanistan's uh, sovereign reserves and then Russia's sovereign reserves has made people realize that you cannot trust banks with your money. Um, so that sentiment is only growing. It's not mm. shrinking. Mm. And Bitcoin is the only viable solution we have. Yeah. Um, because crime is very high in South Africa, so physical gold is also a, a risk. Um, mm. So normally that, school, that group of people would go to physical gold, but you can't have your Where gold do you in, a, keep it? in a vault at home because yeah. people with... And you can't keep it at the bank because <clears throat> they take it again. Same problem, right? Yeah. Same problem. So Bitcoin is really the only answer here. Um, and this is something that we've been working on a lot is to try to promote education within the Afrikaner farmer community mm -hmm. about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Because these people, the Afrikaans farming community, are the most Bitcoin-oriented people without knowing it yet, mm -hmm. in my opinion. They don't know that they're Bitcoiners yet, but because they, because they, share, they fear that their land can be taken. 
their property. That's one thing, but they share all of the cultural values that Bitcoiners share as well. Mm -hmm. So the overlap between these two groups are massive. Mm -hmm. Um, things like, uh, you know, low time preference, um, things like uh, emphasis on family, uh, family values, um, <clears throat> eating good food, you know, respecting your elders, like all of this kind of stuff that kind of is permeated into Bitcoin culture. These people have been doing it for like centuries already, you know. Um, so they are naturally kind of a, uh, an affinity towards Bitcoin. And so that's something we're trying to focus on is get this community into Bitcoin because when when the South African government collapses under its own weight, um, because political change will not, I don't think will, will come. It will have to be something that happens de facto. Um, they, those communities that self-organize will be the communities that, that survive and can thrive. Mm. Um, and you, you have to have capital for that. So if mm. you're relying on the RAND as a preservation of your capital, you're going to go down with the ship. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of very interesting things happening here, and and I think South Africa is the tip of the spear for the world in terms of applying um, postmodernist constructs to absolutely everything. You know, <laughs> um, so it's uh, we are leading the world in that in that phase of the decline. Um, so we also have people that are building alternative systems here and are so far so much more further advanced than anyone else in the world because they've for 20 years been like, well, this is imminent. Let's mm -hmm. build. So building their own universities, building their own schools, building their own um, colleges, their own hospitals becoming soon, their own insurance products, their mm -hmm. own food security. It's all happening. Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. um, so many little free cities or something like that. Something like that. Not the same concept, but self-organized. No, no, no. The, 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 free, the free private cities concept is... is um, understood in those communities and they are they're propagating those those like schools of academic thought the one part that's missing is bitcoin though mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. um, and they're very aware of it they're very aware that if the rand goes down all their hard work for the last 30 years is undermined um so you will have these like intentional private communities pop up i believe mm -hmm. um by default because mm -hmm. it's the only way to survive really mm -hmm. speaking of bitcoin for sovereign mm. individuals and countries um, you're a African, mm, absolutely. Uh, you're in the South, mm. but we have now the Central African Republic, uh, which is the second country yeah. to uh, have Bitcoin as legal tender. What do you know <clears throat> about that? Do you have any information about the background? Because I'm really not sure um, if it's not a shitcoin or thing there. That's yeah, happening. I, I can't speak with authority on the topic. Um, what I do know about the Central African Republic is that it is extremely war-torn, um, it's very dry, it's very arid, it shares, I mean, a bit of a border with, with DRC in the, in the south, mm -hmm. but it's very much largely desert. Um, a friend of mine who I studied with, actually, uh, we did conservation, and she worked as a um, conservationist up in Central African Republic on some of the national parks up there, um, but it's extremely poor. There's mm -hmm. a yeah. large amount of poaching, it's war-torn, there's rebels all over the place. So mm -hmm. it's, it would be interesting to see if they did this out of necessity, which is kind of the Bitcoin game theory playing out, um, would be good to see. Or if this was some shitcoin play by the central bank to try to, mm. I don't know, um, have another round before the next collapse. I'm not, yeah. so I, I, I can't speak with authority. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. I do know the president has a, a, a two degrees in mathematics, apparently. Yeah, so. but isn't it also weird that suddenly he has a Twitter account and he, in his 19th and 20th um, Tweet. He's a Bitcoin maximalist by the words he's choosing. I mean, that's yeah. And we never have heard of him. 
so but the thing yeah. is you're never going to hear about central african republic anyway that's, that's right that's you know? right that's and right. and how much do we know about el salvador before it got Bitcoinized. Yeah, but we, yeah. there was Bitcoin Beach before. Yeah, of course. So of they course. started it basically. <laughs> but Bitcoin Beach didn't just start El Salvador. Bitcoin Beach started. I mean, what I'm saying is like that from from the work they've done there and the, the model they've proved, they inspired the whole world to, to yes, adopt. Yes, yes, but I know? think that Bukele very uh, definitely came onto it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know Bitcoin him. Beach. Maybe yeah. he thought about it even before. But yeah. like um, Mike Peterson and Bitcoin Beach, mm. and then. Um, uh, now the name strike yes uh coming yes. to to el salvador i think that was the initial the catalyst yeah uh, yeah the catalyst yeah. exactly so there are some guys in that in this is the source of all knowledge this signal group of ours but there's some guys <laughs> in there who apparently have connections to the royal family in in uh, central african republic mm-hmm. so and uh, connections in government mm-hmm. so um they will probably be able to speak on the topic a bit more authoritatively mm-hmm. than i can mm-hmm. Um, but oh, it's very interesting. I, I hope it's I hope it's going this way. I already heard that some Bitcoiners already form a kind of a delegation and travel group to meet uh, up in Central well, Af- African. Was Republic. it like the same clowns who went to El Salvador, like Brock Pierce and all those shit? No, not Brock Pierce. No, 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 no. Uh, it's one of the Bitcoin miners okay. from France. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Okay. He's credible. Okay, that's good. But right, I, yeah. I I hope he can find something out and yeah. maybe teach them a little bit yeah. about real bitcoin yeah yeah i really hope so because if if any countries need bitcoin it's the poorest countries yeah so. of course and um, i mean those countries with the the front all uh, they still central have the front yeah. the central african front or the west african front yeah, like senegal yeah. yeah um for them it would really be great to have a neutral form of money that makes oh, them yeah. independent and this is the thing that that a lot of people don't know about but is Everyone talks about colonialism, but yeah. the French colonial influence in West Africa is it's grotesque. You know, like they've been they've been screwing those countries for decades since they got their independence. With yeah, the, but but the, the others country. also do. I mean, yeah. uh, like the US and China, they are screwing Zimbabwe, you know, like. Uh, yeah, but so I mean, South Africa used to, we have an interesting past. We were first a Dutch colony, then a mm-hmm. British colony, then the Dutch beat the British and took it back, and the British beat the Dutch <laughs> and took it back. And then the Boers and the Brits had the Boer War. Okay, um, yeah. And then we effectively after that became a union and then independence in the 50s. We've got a long history with colonial powers. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dutch have nothing to do with South Africa anymore, literally mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah. Brits also are not really that involved mm. on the face of it. Obviously, they're a big trading partner with us. We have, you know, all of that going on. But they largely, the mistakes of South Africa over the last 30 years, and, and this is not a big apologist for what was happening before. That was horrific. We had an opportunity to remake South Africa and be something phenomenal um and uh you know where we are now is we only have ourselves to blame we we can't blame external influence you yeah, know yeah. and people will make that claim because they want to yeah. defer responsibility but at the end of the day mm. it's it's we've got ourselves to blame for it mm. sadly mm. so let's end with something optimistic <laughs> <laughs> well i'm extremely optimistic um i in south africa the common trend with people in my kind of um friendship group and in the is to leave South Africa, to immigrate, to oh, go to Australia, okay. to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, uh-huh. the UK. Those options are all terrible mm-hmm. now. So um, I was very much in the, in the mindset that South Africa is falling apart. So I need to leave and go somewhere else. What COVID has showed me is that the world is falling apart. Um, we have a lot of freedom in South Africa through incompetence, which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> It's the so, same in Zimbabwe. Like, yeah, yeah. People are very entrepreneurial. Yeah. They can try or have to try everything yeah, they can. Yeah, so, yeah. but you don't have 
like uh, all this, the red tape that you have in Austria, for instance, if yes. you just want to open up some kitchen or restaurant or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. So, so we have a lot of freedom through incompetence, and I do believe we're on the tip of the spear of the collapse and the and the the, the change to whatever is coming next. And mm -hmm. I, in my opinion, I'd like to see that be the pipe of Bitcoinization. Other people see it as being the CBDC and the whole digital panopticon, and and you know that's the the choice we have to make, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, so why not do it here? You know, yeah. why leave? Why why go and build something else you're, somewhere else? You're you faster in the future, basically. Yeah, we, we are in the future. Yeah. I, I, we we 15, 20 years ahead of the rest of the world in the the collapse. So we have 15, 20 years of experience of how to deal with this now. Like, mm -hmm. for example, load shedding. Yeah, the power just goes out. Um, at least they tell us in South Africa it's going yeah, to happen. Zimbabwe, they don't tell you. Exactly. <laughs> in Zimbabwe, you'll never know when there's low shedding. And here they, they send you a message tomorrow from, yeah. I don't know, 7 to half past 9 in the yes. morning, there's low shedding. Yes. There's no power. Okay. But give them another 10 years, they'll stop telling you. You know, <laughs> like if it carries on like this. But so the, the, the solution to low shedding in South Africa is Bitcoin mining. Because if you can, Bitcoin mine, you can incentivize off-grid electricity production. And if you can do that, you can stabilize the grid and form microgrids. And then you can you can energetically, from an electricity point of perspective, uh, secede from the national grid mm -hmm. and form your own microgrids mm -hmm. that are using Bitcoin mining for load balancing mm -hmm. and to bootstrap your network and, and, and financially incentivize your, your system. Um, and Or you always have a buyer of lost and first resorts, you know. So that becomes very interesting. Um, we have a secession movement growing in the Western Cape, which is the part of South Africa that is degraded the least because we've got a different government down here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about, about the future there. Mostly, mostly, I'm a freedom maximalist. So I want to go where my freedom is maximized. And uh, looking at New Zealand and Australia, those and Canada, you know, terrible options for that. Um, the UK is not so bad. They've, out of the whole COVID thing, I think they handled it poorly, but better than most. Um, the US is, is interesting because it's such a diverse variety of approaches. But uh, yeah, why you know why leave? It's Africa. It's fun. It's, it's exciting. Um, as be it's beautiful and, and the weather's great. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's great that you're here because you built something. Uh, what's what's important for Bitcoiners and for people to get their Bitcoin in self custody immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that is the important part because the rug is going to be pulled from mm -hmm. exchanges. Mm. It's just a matter of when. And we'll be lucky because it won't happen at the same time everywhere. So you'll have some advanced warning, but it's not going to be a lot. Mm. Um, mm. And I don't know how much more advanced warning people want already. And you see <laughs> the, the slow rug being pulled all over the world. Just get your Bitcoin off an exchange, get into your self-custody, figure out how to do self-custody. And, and single-sig hardware wallet with a passphrase is probably the best, the best, like, a uh, single approach you can take to securing your Bitcoin. I think you don't even need a passphrase. I mean, it depends on your no, personal course. setup, yeah. but but yeah. for many people, like you have to uh, store the seed and then also the passphrase and don't lose it. But That's... the passphrase must be a word you'll never forget. Yeah. And then and then it becomes, but I, I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. It's another thing to store. And like exactly. It's, it's making it more complex. It more complex yeah. and more complicated. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, but just... we're, we're on the both, uh, we're on the same page. Yes, yeah, yes, 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 for sure. All right, is that it? Is that a wrap? How much we yeah, going? how long are we going uh, for? One seventeen already. Ah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, 
And uh, we're going to organize a meetup for you to meet all the local Cape Town Bitcoiners. And Super. I will definitely put you in contact with Craig and you can have, have a sparrow chat with them and hopefully get more rounds of mixing into your Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for the invitation. It was great uh, being here and I enjoyed the conversation and I learned, learned a lot. Thanks. Thank, thank you very much. It's been great. That's it. Thanks for joining. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to my newsletter at anita.link news. A special thank you goes out to the Human Rights Foundation, Leden.io and OKCoin.com. See you next time at the Anita Post Show.